This episode is brought to you by VinSmart. Need help with your recall campaigns? DMVs, government agencies, fleet owners can learn more by visiting vinsmart.com slash businesses or call 1-888-950-9550. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. This week, we are visiting again with a familiar face and voice on the podcast and the community, the president and CEO of Amva, Ann Farrow. And welcome back again. Ian, it is wonderful to be here. We're um, this week specifically, as we approach the end of 2021, it's a good opportunity to look back on the year. Uh, we do a lot of kind of year in review retrospectives. We put some stuff out on the website. Those who were participated in the annual international conference heard your year-end president and CEO report. But this is more just to have a conversation about how how the year went as we look in the rearview rearview mirror of 2021. Uh, I think. Where I want to ask and start is 2021, I think, was unexpectedly a lot more like 2020 than we all thought it was going to be at the start of the year. It's funny you say that, Ian, because one of the things that's so reflective of it being different is that you and I are doing this podcast in person. Yes. Uh, last year, our year in review, you know, the end of 2020, we were remote and uh, reflecting on all the changes and and kind of initiatives that members came forward with and AMVA supported uh, to get us through 2020, thinking that 2021 was going to be our year to begin our in-person meeting process. We spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in 2021 preparing for our first big in-person meeting, which was to be the AIC. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and yeah, we sort of, it sort of spun back. And yet, aspects of that preparation to try and resume some of the familiar space we occupied before this pandemic hit um, is still here, like this interest of trying to be in person. So mm-hmm. you and I are here together, and I yeah. love it. I love it. It is It is so much nicer. It's it, One of the things I think 2021 really drove home, 2020 was sort of the uh, everybody react, all hands egg deck, kind of emergency operations, and everyone just lived with it. 2021, as it built into a more stable environment, it seemed to bring home the idea that being a part could work, it works, you're able to get things done, but we're reminded where the differences really are. And there are some things that really are more effective in person, even though they, it doesn't mean they can't be done virtually. It means maybe it's just not as richer, like th- this podcast being a perfect example. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, so I like to think about where are we today relative to a year ago. So today we have the opportunity to meet in person. We're doing it with some additional precautions. Today in our AMVA space, we're trying to find that best balance of what aspects of the virtual uh, engagement are things that are really of value to retain as we incrementally uh, move into in-person space, Mm. short of sustaining some kind of a hybrid space, which is very challenging for everybody. It's for all of us. It's very difficult. But there are aspects of this virtual world that have enabled us to include a lot more people than we did before. We we highlighted that back in 2020. We've seen even more of it during 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, kind of where we are today, unexpectedly, um, was the recognition that we needed to accelerate and refocus some of AMVA's work in the space of supporting where members were going. MDL is a great example. Mm-hmm. You mentioned MDL. Yeah. The idea of making sure that sooner rather than later, states have access to standards and guidelines and, and provinces and territories as well, to standards and guidelines for building out that MDL environment. Some of those things, I think, 
we were already on the path to do uh, and and sort of shifted into a real priority mode. Let's not only do it, but let's make sure everybody has access to it um, and can use these uh, standards or guidelines in a way that's beneficial to the move among jurisdictions mm -hmm. to a digital identity space. Yeah. And so in, in a sense that we're talking about the calendar year, certainly in 2021, the new ISO standard is out. The AMVA guidelines are now available for members to use. But even further back within this fiscal year, if you will, the board of directors had some really important discussions about the role they wanted to consider AMVA playing in that ecosystem around a, a digital trust service. Yeah, and so we're still really exploring that, aren't we? Yeah. The, what was exciting to, is to see the board for a long-term strategic view for ANVA to say perhaps ANVA is that neutral resource for jurisdiction uh, DMVs or driver license agencies to provide some kind of a secure or digital trust framework mm -hmm. for those secure keys. All of that language that surrounds the, the, the mobile driver's license. And that based on external stakeholder recommendations, jurisdiction member recommendations, that it makes sense for ANVA to be that neutral party to manage the digital trust service. But what does it mean to AMVA? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What does it mean to AMVA members? What's the cost? What's the system? What are the security demands? All of those aspects, I think it was very exciting for us at the staff level, and I think the MDL committee as well, yeah. to see the board support AMVA testing out that framework, mm -hmm. which is what we're doing now. That's right. And pretty excited to see what that means as we actually launch that pilot digital trust service early next year, yeah. or next year, yeah. Now, the. The idea of doing it, the ability to do it, is very much built on, I think, long-standing center of excellence, if you will, that AMVA has demonstrated with other systems and, and platforms, um, whether it be the very beginnings with SIDLIS or some more recent developments that I want to maybe ask you about now, where state-to-state, -state, the state-to-state -state verification services, in terms of states continuing to come on board, and the new development of the driver history record. Yeah, so... Through the year of 2021, um, additional states have joined the state-to-state -state service. It's very gratifying, I think, for the state-to-state -state governance committee, which makes up all of, which is made up of all the states that are currently in state-to-state -state or uh, signed on to state-to-state. -state. The realization of the concept of one driver, one license, one record has been um, um, uh, revealed through the implementation now of the driver history record mm -hmm. capability within state to state. This is something that I think uh, certainly the AMVA community has long sought. State to state allowed it to be um, realized through a system of electronic exchange of records, building upon the concept of the SIDLIS exchange of driver histories, driver status, um, driver withdrawals and convictions. The What's so incredible about state-to-state -state is there is no mandate that states do that, but the state-to-state -state governance body some years back said this is the capability that would enable us to kind of realize the commitment that the driver license compacts make to the timely and accurate exchange of data mm -hmm. uh, on driver history, and now it can be realized through state-to-state. -state. So we have a few states that are coming on board with that. Um, sort of as we speak, mm -hmm. uh, at least one, and a few more signed up for it next year, and other states as they come into state-to-state -state doing that. But in the meantime, we have more than 36 states now in state-to-state. -state. Pretty big achievement. That is yeah. a heavy lift for a state. Um, it's an important process for ANVA, and it's something that as we continue to adjust the calendar based on real ID requirements, 
um, even those calendar adjustments see this steady forward momentum of more and more states coming on to the state-to-state -state service and the and the realization that the driver history record capability um, can really get at the driver safety mm -hmm. elements um, that state-to-state -state enable. And as you mentioned, the adjustments in the calendar, though there have been some, uh, safe to say that even though the the state of the pandemic has gone on longer than originally anticipated. Overall, the calendar has stayed in, intact in terms of the rate that jurisdictions are planning to get on. It's maybe adjusted by months, but no one has said, hey, because of the pandemic, our our plans are completely blown out of the water and we're changing our mind. No, no you know, yeah, right? nobody has changed their mind. Right. They certainly have changed their uh, implementation so, dates. Yeah. Um, by virtue of uh, jurisdictions having to really Reallocate uh, resources to accommodate the all of the demands of the pandemic and serving the public mm -hmm. throughout this pandemic that we've talked about uh, in in multiple conversations. Um, all of that kind of re, re, readjustment of uh, of monies and people and systems to really achieve what the public needed today in anticipation of what they want to do tomorrow. Did certainly did move. You know, if we had six states that were going to onboard this year, perhaps we wound up with three. ANVA can accommodate nine states a year coming on to state to state. We certainly, um, I think we added four this year. So next year we expect a fuller calendar and mm -hmm. the year after that even a more fuller calendar. Um, but yeah, for sure some were pushed out. And all, and, yeah, and overall, how have you sensed that shift from members in terms of a year ago when we spoke was very much that idea of how do we shift resources to service the public during the, in this new environment and a new way of, of delivering to our customers. Uh, where is that tone and sensibility now in terms of going back to beforehand, keeping items the way we've adjusted? There doesn't seem to be the sense of emergency anymore. Yeah, and maybe that's because a state of emergency that is constantly changing almost uh, leaves people a little bit jaded, mm -hmm. saying, uh, you know, I can't, uh, I, I can't get overexcited about this today. We have to make sure we've got the elements in place. And I would say that the driver license and vehicle motor vehicle agencies across the U.S. and Canada have continued to find ways to serve the public, accommodate any kind of and adjust for any backlogs that accumulated during some of the worst parts of the pandemic when when offices were opening and closing with regularity based on a positive test or a, a, a wave of uh, a wave of new new variants mm -hmm. um, so the agencies through 2020 and certainly throughout in implementation in 2021 added more online services continue to find ways perhaps more aggressively than ever to do secure document heavy services through online portals, something mm -hmm. like a title uh, application, something like uh, you know uploading, preloading data for a real ID or any kind of a driver's license or ID, or even preparing for a first driver test. Just trying to do as much as they can in a remote space. So certainly states accelerated that. They redirected where they could, IT resources and customer contact center resources to accommodate those kinds of transitions because the public wants, continues to want more services uh, in a remote space yep. so that they don't have to go out um, or go into a masked environment. So the competing demand in that is the business as usual expectation that many customers still have of the DMV. And those customers may be legislators, they may be elected and appointed officials, and they may be um, you know, the local community. But there are a lot of people 
that when given the chance, still want to walk into their DMV. Mm. And where, where a lot of the DMVs um, tried to, and I had very successfully implemented um, appointment-only services, there has been a competing demand to ease some of the stress that customers feel with a, an appointment two weeks later than they wanted it mm. to provide some walk-in capability. So there's a lot of just constant adjustment and fine-tuning among states there. Um, throughout this time, I think industry members have been very helpful to the jurisdictions in finding ways to provide that online capability and provide convenient uh, queuing systems for the walk-in customers. Mm. You know, it's we... You finished with talking about the industry partners in our in our community. Um, I think that's one of the places where, when we started, we talked about the difference between a virtual environment versus the in-person environment. That engagement with our larger associate member pool um, and being able to have those conversations. I think that's one of the differences we have learned over the certainly this past year. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what we've learned and how we're going to try to move move forward with some of those initiatives? Yeah, so our associate members, thank goodness, so many of our associate members for the AMVA community have remained members mm-hmm. and have remained active. But certainly when, when the AMVA community switched to a virtual meeting space, it was much harder for our associate members to have those um, kind of unscheduled, unscripted mm-hmm. opportunities to meet and network with jurisdiction, public sector individuals in in-person settings. Yeah. And the loss of that, I think, really uh, m- brought many of our associate members into the space of saying, well, where, how can we meet them? What can AMVA do mm-hmm. to help mm-hmm. us? You know, AMVA tried uh, a virtual showcase for associate members. We've tried a few roundtables of, uh, of chief administrators for, associ- for associate members to see what, uh, what, uh, what what certainly the jurisdictions are experiencing, but ultimately it comes back to finding those opportunities for associate members to engage in person. Mm. So it's pretty exciting to meet recently in uh, Indianapolis for the yeah. Region 3 conference and to hear from associate members, one, how they've managed to keep their business contacts and develop new ones, um, but two, how valuable those in-person engagements are. So, yeah. yeah, so trying to find that balance. We've got, uh, we've been fortunate, our current chair, Chrissy Neiser, asked Whitney Brewster, a past chair of AMVA and the uh, Texas DMV uh, director, to serve as a board liaison for our associate members and working with Philip Quinlan in our business solutions team, um, continue to try to find ways that associate members can maximize their engagement with our jurisdiction representatives in a way that's fair and balanced for all, and in some cases may still be in a virtual space. And we're hoping, you know, some of our new website uh, uh, services or resources may offer some of that. That's great. Yeah. So earlier you also mentioned the idea of uploading documents and you muttered the words real ID. Yeah. And so I think it, you know, it's funny to think it was within this past year that the real ID modernization act passed and came to fruition. So to think of it that as part of looking back at 2021, you know, that that was one of the accomplishments the community had, you know, not on, um, we've been talking about some of those improvements for a while. Yeah. Uh, we're still waiting on a rulemaking to see the details of it. Yeah, so that uh, those accomplishments for those who, you know, in many ways, the Real ID conversation has kind of fallen to the backdrop, not for lack of state focus on issuing Real IDs. And in many cases, when the states have talked about their Real ID volumes, they have resumed some kind of a normal mm. pattern. So the public is still seeking Real IDs, and they're doing it in a way, an adoption rate that's um, that's better than one would have expected, given the 
the quiet that loomed over Real ID once the federal Homeland Security Agency in the U.S. moved the date out to a mm -hmm. 2023 implementation date. That being said, um, at the beginning of this year, uh, the president signed, was it the beginning of last year? Gosh, the time gets away from me. Yeah, the beginning um, of 2021. 20, 2021 signed a bill authorizing a number of, uh, of moderniz modernized uh, routines for Real ID mm -hmm. compliance in the state licensing process and allowing for virtual uh, uh, identity verification in a space that maybe hadn't been allowed before. But we don't know what that looks like. Yeah. We haven't seen the, the draft regulations. In the meantime, on a parallel track, Homeland Security has been working on a mobile driver's license um, uh, standard as well for accepting a real ID in a digital space. Mm -hmm. And we haven't seen any of the requirements for that yet as well. We know both seem to be moving along, but uh, we certainly hope that 2022 reveals some of that so we know so, so states know what they can now, do when we're back here a year from now doing the 2022 year in review hopefully they'll say oh yes we understand what yeah. this rulemaking means yeah but in the meantime you know um the jurisdictions and anva continue to move forward in identifying what mdl guidelines would enable a secure and interoperable environment mm -hmm. and uh, creating opportunities next year for all the jurisdiction members to come together on mdl and digital identity to say what what is it how do we do it How's, how are others doing it? What could we be putting in place? And frankly, all of that will be, will put jurisdictions ahead of the game um, for whatever TSA rolls out in allowing a digital real ID to be used, uh, you know, at the, at, the, at the travel security checkpoint. Yeah. Right. So not to neglect our vehicle friends that are listening, a lot of talk of, of drivers, uh, you know, the big system, if you will, on the vehicle side, of course, is Nimvitis. Uh, that had a, a, pretty, a pretty big year in terms of adding some states that uh, had been in a long journey to, to come on board. Yeah, so it is just remarkable. So every jurisdiction, um, short of, uh, of two, um, are now fully participating in Nimvitis, mm -hmm. and that's a pretty remarkable achievement. Um, and at least one of those two will be on before the end, probably the end of this calendar year, early in the first quarter of next year. So for the Nimvitis map to be all green is remarkable in its in the richness of that resource. You know, when it, when it comes to Nimvitis being a solution to help minimize the risk of consumer fraud on vehicle sales, mm -hmm. um, improve access for theft investigations when there are stolen vehicle rings, that always lead to something much bigger um, from the investigator community. And for use of Nevitas for investigative purposes, all of those things have grown exponentially in this mm -hmm. past year. Um, and Department of Justice just released the 2020 Nevitas report. I commend it and recommend it to everybody who uh, has an interest in seeing just how much Nevitas can do for consumer protection mm -hmm. um, and um, and uh, and the integrity of vehicle data. We still have more to do. Sure. We still have a lot of places to go, and I think many of us still feel that somewhere in this ecosystem, I'll use this word that I overuse, there is room for Nimvitis in helping us solve the electronic titling framework or the electronic titling, you know, kind of a framework for interstate, interjurisdictional transfer of title. Mm -hmm. That's still a space um, that is challenged by the document-heavy nature of title transfers, the multiple hands and between you know, uh, lien holders, insurance holders, uh, vehicle owners, leasing entities, yeah. rental entities, all of those entities make this such a complex space for transferring the title 
to a, a piece of property that's kind of the next biggest um, to home ownership. Yeah. So it's a really important role. It's an important capability. And uh, it's been very exciting to see this fall, the electronic titling framework mm -hmm. recommendations to be published yes. um, and available on the ANVA website. I think, and I really applaud those jurisdictions that went ahead with some form of electronic uh, vehicle titling capability, either through a remote office or through person-to-person uh, -person sales or dealer sales, and get just some great uh, test cases out there that mm -hmm. that the electronic title advocacy community is is uh, driving towards. Because again, just like digital ID, it can ultimately lead to a more secure environment for vehicle ownership and consumer protection. Absolutely. So you mentioned the, you know the e-titling framework being published on the website. Even in this uh, year of mostly virtual. Uh, our members were still able to get together, collaborate, and produce um, about nine new best practices and standards, uh, almost like asking you to choose your favorite kid. Uh, but if there's any couple that maybe you wanted to really point out or you thought that, you know, if, if folks haven't heard or read it, you know, you said, well, go read the Invitus report. Others that were put out this year that maybe uh, want to make sure that it may be more cross-cutting, we'll say that, rather than the than, than their, our favorites, but are more cross-cutting, which I think is um, an interesting development that continues to become louder and louder each year, is that what used to be more siloed work in the motor vehicle community is really crossing over in ways we haven't seen in previous decades. Yeah, it is hard to choose, so let me start. With, yeah. by saying yay, hooray, and kudos, and thank you to all of the jurisdiction members that participate in working groups and standing committees that lead to some of these great publications that create either standards or best practices, mm -hmm. guidelines, recommendations. They go from you know the, the, the most obscure in terms of just detail, uh, like the uh, imported vehicle mm -hmm. uh, guidelines, which yep. is an incredibly detailed document, it definitely displays how complex the import-export world is when it comes to vehicles, and yet it's so clearly laid out, it's just a great resource document for any jurisdiction members. Those are jurisdiction members that were involved in that. They did site visits to ports to yep. see how it works. They interviewed federal officials. Um, they examined the Canadian processes, all of it, just to really understand um, how it works in the U.S. and Canada primarily, as well as any other you know, sort of port-specific import-export. So first and foremost, thank you to the jurisdiction members who participated. Thank you to the jurisdiction leaders who support recommending staff to those working groups because it is, it's through the expertise and the credibility of uh, employees of the driver and vehicle agencies and investigative agencies and enforcement agencies that these best practices even have any weight and value. And kudos to our industry partners who are who participate in those discussions, sometimes review the documents to lend their expertise, sometimes sit at the table um, on the discussions. So from there, let me talk about a few <laughs> that are cross-cutting. Yeah. Um, managing data privacy and access guidelines. Again, understanding the privacy laws at the jurisdiction and federal levels make any kind of a document that offers clear insight into best practices when it comes to the movement and access of data, driver and vehicle data, is just it's just a profoundly valuable document. And it covers, you can use chapters of it, you can use, look at the whole thing, but by all means, any jurisdiction agency 
um, that has not already recommended that document to the personnel, please do, um, particularly if you have a privacy officer or if you have somebody who's, who's solely responsible for data. But it's an ex executive level policy document as well. So that's outstanding. Um, the autonomous vehicle, or I should say the automated driver system, um, um, automated driver assist system documents that our AV committee developed uh, this year in the specific to distracted driving mm -hmm. is very helpful, um, specific to law enforcement and identifying uh, ways to interact um, on the distracted driving space is just, it's just vital. Um, we have so many documents yeah. to choose from and some that are coming up mm. uh, for next year in the cu customer contact space that are really exciting as well. So, and I think it's, it's no secret that um, many of our listeners know you. You know, you've um, not only through being president CEO, but through your previous roles in both state and federal government. And so people want to know how, how did 2021 treat you in this, you know, extended time of uh, mostly remote now, you know, starting getting back a little back together, but being in working from your home and, and not traveling. And how did the 2021 AMVA year treat Ann Farrow? Well, you know. <laughs> Well, you know, in all aspects, um, from a great employer uh, in ANVA and uh, leadership in our board of directors, just tremendous support, um, remarkable employees, uh, obviously including you and your vice president executive peers <laughs> and all of our employees across ANVA, the kind of uh, dedication and commitment to getting the job done on behalf of our members. It's just, you know, it just makes it so rewarding to be a to, to have this opportunity to lead ANVA. Mm -hmm. so, so from the workspace view, um, I would say one of the challenges for us is that each time we approach this pandemic from the beginning, you know, March 13th, two years ago, mm -hmm. unbelievable, mm -hmm. it's been that, almost two years, right. um, when I thought, well, we're stepping off a precipice here into a remote space, but we're gonna find solid ground on the other side pretty quickly. We're gonna build bridges pretty quickly. You know, each time we think we found a path, there's a new gap. And we're all facing it right now with that uh, Omicron version. You know, mm -hmm. it's just these variants and the changing dynamic and the changing dynamic of the of of economic pressures, um, employment pressures. So all of those things continue to create new gaps in my expectation of foundation. Mm. And 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 yet through all that, from an employment view, Anva continues to provide uh, again just an exciting and really solid workplace and support for me and I think for all of our employees. And that's a really wonderful thing mm. because we've got such great members. Um, from a personal view, gosh, you know, I've been fortunate. I have a, a, a healthy family. Mm. Uh, my husband got a new hip. My, <laughs> my, my son has a fiance. You know, my, uh, our, our, our daughter and, and our son-in-law are doing great. Um, we have a new cat that goes <laughs> along with our dog Lola. Um, and we have a just, you know, we're just blessed to live in a space where I can work remotely uh, mm -hmm. uh, easily um, and, uh, and get to the office quickly Excellent. when that opportunity arises. So thank you. How about you? You've had a lot of lot of changes in your family too. Yeah, very, I mean, continuity yeah, and change. Yeah, very very much the same story. We're you know fortunate everybody is healthy. Of course, um, having two teenage boys now, both in high school, uh, I think that was the biggest shift from uh, 
the first half of 2021 to the second half of 2021, uh, and I think a lot of parents relate to this, it went to no activity, went from no activities, everybody home all day, every day, to back uh, to some degree, almost a pre-pandemic level of taxi service. Yes, uh, I think yes. any, any parent of a teenager uh, <laughs> Knows that I know you remember it. You know I've shared those stories, and you're you know, and I, I know do, you it do it today now with, our with godchildren. your godchildren. That's yeah, right. yeah, you are right. But you had that lull of not driving anyone anywhere. Uh, we were we were fortunate. Looking back on it, is we, we tried to recognize it at the time for the gift that it was, for the stillness. Um, now that we're running around again. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. And I do hope I I think in contrast, sometimes for so many of our jurisdictions, because because the state driver and motor vehicle agencies are frontline services and they are an essential service. In so many cases, our membership have been uh, front and center in, with open doors to the public from the get-go. Mm -hmm. and, um, and yet, some of their backroom employees or their policy level employees have also shifted into a remote mode. I still see it. I see in many of our meetings that we're still seeing people who are working remotely across the sphere of agencies that never envisioned that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and for those that are able to and can figure out a, a way forward to preserve that stillness that you say yeah. of a remote life, um, short of all of you know people being back in person in school and stuff, but still there's some stillness that's added by the absence of commutes. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I do hope that I think as we look towards 2022 and beyond, that agencies through either our customer contact, uh, best practices development work, or some of the findings that agencies have had in, in supporting a partially remote workforce, mm -hmm. that that opens some new space. Because I think ultimately there's a quality of life balance and a retention balance. So I want to say one more thing in yeah. this whole space that's really been, you know, we've all gone through these phases together. We've had the remote phase. We've had the open and close and mask and partition phases. Yeah. We now have the phase of a significant supply chain challenges that mm -hmm. DMVs are very much uh, part of, are sought after as part of resolving. Even though they're not a contributor to the supply chain challenge, the ability to get more drivers on the road in the commercial vehicle space is seen, DMVs are seen as a resource in mm -hmm. that space. But also this great resignation. Mm. We're all feeling it. Doesn't mm -hmm. matter whether you're talking about your frontline employees, your policy people, your IT professionals, we are all experiencing the movement that the remote and pandemic space created an itch for mm -hmm. among lots of professionals. Some retired, some have decided to just not be in the workforce, some can't be because they have children and they're the primary caregiver and can't, mm -hmm. uh, can't, can't overcome that. Um, and in other cases, it's people just saying, I can do, I'm, I'm just tired of this and I wanna do that. Mm -hmm. Or I can do this with more money there. Yeah. And, and that's impacting everybody. AMVA as an association, uh, jurisdiction members of AMVA, and I think uh, individual families. Yes. So I, that's just one, I, that's just a factor I think we gotta think about for 2022. It's a very interesting factor to me. Yeah, so no, no solution in mind, no goal, no project, but certainly a trend that we will all be tackling in 2022. We are already. We've heard for years, we've heard the challenges of recruitment and retention, particularly at motor vehicle agencies and state highway patrols. Uh, and I think this is only has exasperated it and going to continue into mm -hmm. 2022. Yeah, and, and elements that contribute to that uh, overcoming it may be pay, may mm. be work conditions, may be uh, inclusivity. Um, 
You know, ANVA is an incredibly diverse organization. I don't know that any of us have ever worked in such a diverse organization, regardless mm -hmm. of where we're from, and that richness is awesome. We're also learning through the years of tumult, you know, recent years of tumult, that we have an opportunity to be more inclusive in our diversity and mm -hmm. equitable in our diversity. And I think those factors also contribute mm. to the conditions under which folks are deciding, do I want to stay or do I want to go? Mm. And those are, that's also an area where ANVA as a community has an opportunity. I think our upcoming Move magazine, yes. um, which may have already be out by the time you run this uh, year in review podcast, will have an opportunity to see how the ANVA community is addressing the discussion of inclusion and equity um, in, the, in the very diverse world we have the benefit of living in. Mm -hmm. And, and that's serving also going to continue to be an evergreen conversation that uh, Neat, yep. uh, has to be an evergreen yes. conversation yeah. to continue. Yeah, very much Great. so. Well, on that note, while I'll be staying, we will be going for today. <laughs> um, Ditto. It's, uh, we'll, we'll wrap that up. Wrap that up here. Um, so thanks for the thanks for the chat. Thanks for the little quick look back at 2021 and a little sneak preview into 2022. Thank you, Ian. I love these conversations, and I love your podcast. You have a big fan following. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, tell your friends, like, subscribe, and do all those things you're supposed to do on social media. So I do appreciate you all listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. And until next week, next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for Ambacast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey. Music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Recall Buzz, powered by VinSmart. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.